Hello everybody, welcome to the Keen Atomic. Uh, my name's Nick, and joining me as always is my co-host Danny. Hi everyone. And today we are giving you a special Halloween episode. Um, because <laughs> spooky noises ensue. Um, yeah, because uh, we, we did a we did like a Halloween season last year, and um, you know we, we we can't not do a Halloween episode. It's not. It yeah. wouldn't be right, would it? It just. I love Halloween, and I think we would have done more Halloweeny stuff had we had enough time. I spent most of my time trying to dress up as Mrs. Miss Giddens, actually, um, which we'll talk about um, in a minute. Um, trying to um, emulate the Victorian governess. I, I I didn't actually make it. I made something like it, but uh, yeah, we would have had more time to record had we had more time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. As as such, life life gets in the and way. But... at the same time, I think there's we there's fewer and fewer films that each of us hasn't seen when it comes to this Hollywood theme, like horror films. I think yeah, I think we're we're getting quite close to having all the big ones kind of covered. Covered, really, aren't we? yeah, um, yeah. Um, especially when when it comes to because the my sort of period that I've specialized in in thirties and forties. It's not heavy with horror, so it's mostly around the fifties and sixties that it, there's more horror, and you know, and then we have the slasher movies of the seventies that you're yeah, more then... you're you're more savvy um, in that than I am. Yeah, yeah, genre, uh, genre stuff like genre horror stuff from from kind of the seventies onwards, really. That's kind of um, there's like modern horror back. movies that I haven't seen, but I mean, in terms of like you know you're talking the the classic slashers, then yeah, that's um, your bag. In terms of um, in terms of like being busy and stuff, what have, what have you been watching recently uh, since our last recording? So, I think I, I took a bit of a break after the film festival because it felt like I needed to sort of gather my thoughts on the films I've watched. Um, and I wanted to focus more on um, sort of reading a bit of, of horror fiction, to be fair, as well as sort of revisit some of my favorite horror films. So I've rewatched, so I've reread The uh, Haunting of Hill House by Shirley Jackson and The Turn of the Screw by Henry James, uh, the novella. Um, we'll talk a bit more about this because we will be discussing an adaptation from this novella on the podcast. And I've rewatched The Others, um, directed by Alejandro Amenabar, I think, with um, Nicole Kidman. And what else have I watched? I don't think. And I've rewatched a film from 2004 called Shutter, and I will explain why soon enough what okay. have you been doing with your time so on our last recording um the day after we recorded um i was i, I was going to go see petite maman the new celine Sciamma movie um which i saw and 
broke me. <laughs> um, yeah. It's such a lovely, lovely movie. Um, it's yeah. I mean, it was made. Uh, it was made during COVID, and um, honestly, I, I I couldn't couldn't tell. Um, it's just it's just a lovely small little movie about uh, an eight year old girl and finding a friend who's another eight year old girl. And it's just a lo- it's just a lovely movie. It's just a lovely movie. Um, and then yeah, so and then we we had the release of uh, Denis uh, Denis Villeneuve's uh, June, um, which I saw. So I went to a four o'clock showing, and got out at seven o'clock, and then went onto my phone, and then uh, booked a, another showing for half past seven. So literally walked out of one screening and went straight into another. Um, which there's just something about it. I mean, I'm so happy as of recording, we've, we've, we found out that we're getting a second movie. Um, I'm so happy that we are because I just want to see this world again on the big screen. I want to know the end, like what happens with the story. Um, was it left on a cliffhanger? Well, not really. It just kind of sort of ends. Like, it, it, it's not really a cliffhanger. It just kind of just ends. Like, this, um, because it's like, from what I can tell, they've just split Frank Herbert's original book into two. Um, okay. because, like, Lionsgate and Warner. I hadn't read June. No, I've had, I've had a copy since I was about 15, 16, and I've tried reading it a good five or six times, and I get like a chapter into it, and I'm just like, I just tap out because it's just so much. Um, it's just so much gets thrown at you. Um, and I haven't seen the David Lynch movie. Um, so this was like a first experience on Arrakis and, um, yeah, honestly, I, 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 if you're going to go see it, go see it on the biggest screen you can find. I know you're in London, so go, go see it at the IMAX. If you can find an IMAX screening, go. Okay. Um, Um, yeah, I need to, I need to get around to it. I haven't actually had the time to but i will yeah um honestly like i i'm i it's just something about that movie i mean it's i think i've i have i because i when we did titan i was like you know that's the bit this is the best movie i've seen all year uh no june is the best movie i've seen all year okay. um it's really hard it's really hard to kind of say like which like because all all like i've got like four or five films that have come out this year that are like five star movies for me <laughs> and each and each of them kind of are very different and june is kind of the reason i go to the cinema you know i want to be blown away i want to get taken to new worlds i think the kind of the best way to describe the movie is roy batty's speech at the end of blade runner when he says you i've seen worlds you've never you'd never believe and we get very very close to that in june like it's it's yeah i it's 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 an incredible movie and i fucking loved it um Good. and yeah if you if you are comfortable with seeing it in the cinema go see it in the cinema um on the biggest screen you can find but yeah uh that's kind of it really it's kind of it um okay preparing for you know this uh this uh this episode so should we get right into it yes i think we should should we start with my pick 
Yes, let's do that one first. Okay, so as I mentioned before, um, this um, the first film we'll be discussing will be The Innocence from 1961, directed by Jack Clayton, based on a 1898 novella by Henry James. And here is a quick synopsis. A young governess for two children becomes convinced that the house and grounds are haunted. What did you think of The Innocence, Nick? I'm going to do a typical Nick thing and... uh... And point to the Simpsons first. Oh dear God, um, help us! <laughs> so the first, the first one is the the classic line of Head and Love Lovejoy saying, "Won't somebody please think of the children?" And then the other one is is actually a reference to a film called Village of the Damned, but it's where um, Marge opens up the window and and so there's something so un- unnerving about flying a kite at night, and there's Bart in the front front garden flying a kite at night um this it's just so unsettling that the innocence is very very unsettling and i think a lot of that has to do with the children um it is it's extremely atmospheric it's probably i think probably the most atmospheric horror movie i've ever seen um, I love I love Stanley Kubrick's The Shining, but that movie could be quite quite seen as quite cold at times. Where and I think The Innocence, there's something about Bly Manor that is just a bit more. I think it's just a bit more uneasy than The Overlook, if that makes any sense. Even when you start, if you you know you don't really take into consideration the the the, the ghosts. Um, the whole idea with the, you know, the, the, the children are, you know, conduits, is that the right word? Yeah. For, for, um, Miss Jessel and and Quint. There's, there's, there's enough, I think there's enough element of doubt in there, um, to maybe imply that this isn't actually happening, maybe. Maybe, like, this is in all the head of Miss Giddens. I don't know. that this, this is kind of a movie where I feel like there's a deeper meaning to this, and I think a second viewing will will kind of help a lot. Um, speaking of Miss Giddings, uh, played by Deborah Kerr, her performance was incredible. Um, it's Deborah Carr, as in, as in star. De- Deborah, Deborah Carr, sorry. Yeah. Um, yeah, her performance was... Oh, well, yeah, I just just carried the movie just very very much so. Um, the like, the cinematography and the use of light really really adds that extra layer to it. The the, the atmosphere. Um, I just yeah, this this movie is really really. It's, I can see why it's a classic. I I really can, and and it's take you know, and I'm kind of thinking, oh, I should have seen this really a long time ago. Really, if you think about it. Um, the, there's this whole recurring thing with the music box um, and the sounds of uh, of the children singing, which is extremely unsettling. <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah, I think there was one. There was one other thing. Like when I was watching the film, I, I, I honestly thought I fancy watching Crimson Peak after this. Um. Hmm. And. I can, I can see, see why I can you really could say see, that. Yeah, I can really see how influential this movie is on Del Toro. 
the look of Deborah Carr in her, her, her nightgown as well. I, you know, I, I can, you know, when she's carrying around the candlestick, you're just thinking that there's literally Del Toro's just, I wouldn't say ripped that off because he doesn't do that. He, you know, homages that with uh, Mia Wasikowska, um, yeah. you know, in scenes from Crimson Peak. And um, kind of something I have learned from Del Toro over the years is that ghosts are tragic. You know, they're, they're, they're hurt. They're, haunt, they're haunting in a, in a tragic way. You know, they aren't malicious, malevolent beings. They have a reason to be tragic, if that makes any sense. Yeah. And the use of the children, supposedly, you know, to to be like a continuation on of, of the love between Miss Jessel and, and Quint, um, which is implied to be an abusive relationship. Um, yeah, it, it's it, quite a toxic love kind of thing. Yeah, there is a there is a tragedy there. It's you know, despite the fact that that it is an abusive relationship, you know, like it is one that is tragic because they both they both want each other but they shouldn't if that makes any sense and yeah the, 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 there's one particular shot that really kind of got me and it was really a, quite unnerving how effective it was it was just the the recurring image of, of Miss Jessel kind of just stood in the reeds um, yeah, yeah, that is quite, uh, yeah, it's quite unnerving, and especially when you have the kid there pretending to be oblivious of the whole thing, but you kind of see that she knows what's yeah. in the read. Um, yeah, and, Miss, well, I, Miss, yeah, yeah, Miss um, Giddens. Is, yeah, I was going to say, Miss, 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 Miss Grouse doesn't really <laughs> want to encourage Gross, it. Gross, not Grouse. <laughs> um... Yeah, this this film is is really quite unsettling and haunting. Um, I think I think it, it definitely warrants a second viewing um, to kind of understand a bit more of the deeper themes in it. I mean, I yeah. saw um, uh, Truman Capote's name pop up at the beginning, yeah. and I was like, yeah. "Huh, okay." And um, it doesn't. It wouldn't surprise me if there is a deeper meaning because of him so hmm. i can yeah uh, we can talk a bit more about that so yeah 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 all done cool yeah I mean, I think very, very, no i just i just think it's just you know again it's one of these movies that i think you know i, I really should have seen this um it, but... it is a classic and there's i think there's a few reasons why it is a classic and it's been adapted many times over more recently by um i'm gonna get this wrong is it mark no mike flanagan mac i keep because there's there's a mark flanagan who's a um, singer songwriter and there's mike flanagan who's a filmmaker and i always mistake the two so mike flanagan not mark mark's a singer yeah, Mark, Mike Flanagan has done, and I think he's done a really good job. Um, he's done the haunting of Bly Manor um, after, he, yeah, after doing the uh, haunting of Hill House. It's all on Netflix, and it's actually quite an interesting view. Um, and there's yeah, so and I'll talk a bit about that in in a minute. But yeah, I think it's there's something unsettling, but there's something quite ambiguous about the whole story as well because this the, the novella is 
told by somebody who's reading the governess's diaries. So it's the story is like a story within a story. So the story, the novel, the novella was written in 18, 1898, but the story takes place in the 60, 1860s. So in the movie, you see the costumes reflecting the 60s period, not the, ninth, the late sort of turn of the century period. Um, and it's been interpreted as because Miss, the governess is a young lady, um, quite innocent as well, and she doesn't very know that much about the world. So when she finds out that there's been sort of an indecent relationship between Miss Jessup and um, Peter Quint, she starts making up all these. So that's one reading of it. She there's there's some sexual repression in her that makes her see all these things and imagine all these sort of horrors um but at the same time because if and if you if you watch the movie there's no clear indication that the kids are seeing ghosts there's sort of they just sort of oh what's the word you kind of see that there's nothing, there's something not quite right about the kids, but you can't put your finger on it, on it, and then you jump to the conclusion where you you conclude that they they can see ghosts, but you you're not really sure, you know. Mm. Um. But yeah, I, I I'm glad that you picked up on the um, cinematography, and I have a few things about it. So basically. Uh, to create sharp visuals that um, you see, the director of photography, Freddie Francis, used huge bright lamps um, that made Deborah Carr um, having to resort to wearing sunglasses between takes because it was so bright. Um, and he also expanded his kit with a group of lens filters um, that he specially acquired for this film. And then he reportedly he had some custom made to his particular specification, because I think the contrast between light and day and, and the light, um, the brightness of the day is quite interesting. And also because the, the, the scariest thing usually happen during daytime, which is a bit unusual for a horror film. When you yeah. see her, when you see Miss Jessup in the wreath, it's quite a scary thing. Or also when you see Peter Quint on top of the tower, also, that's that's quite unnerving and unsettling. Um, so yeah, the cinematography, um, you, you're going to like this. The cinematography was so admired that aspects of it were imitated many years later in Nine Inch Nails' video, The Perfect Drug. Ah. Oh, okay. I'll have yeah. to rewatch that music video, but... Yeah. I, yeah, okay. Yeah, um, so... I found an interesting quote from the um, Criterion Collection about um, about the innocence, and and I sorry, let me find it. Uh, quote: Even more than the turn of the screw, the innocence relies on the ephemeral to evoke the physical why literary works of horror often suffer when translated from page to screen this story actively benefits clayton opted to downplay the ghosts thus committing to emphasizing the uncanniness of the real like the gothic contrast between shadows shrouded 
interiors illuminated by flickering candles, and exteriors in which the white-hot sunlight is blinding. Poor Miss Giddon is quite literally unable to trust the evidence of her own eyes. And I think that's kind of encapsulates the whole story because she's she, she's sure but she's she's still you know she can't trust her senses when it comes to to what she's seeing and especially since miss gross doesn't actually see um or pretends not to see what what miss giddens is seeing um but yeah i the children were were really good as well i thought and especially since the quite controversial scene where um, Miles has to kiss Miss Giddens on the lips and that was quite, you know, weird. Um, and I think it added a bit to the unsettleness of, of the whole thing. Um, if you have time to watch The um, Haunting of Bly Manor, it, it sort of builds up on the, on the text, especially like the book, and it kind of gives everybody in, in like, like literally everybody in the house, a backstory. So you have Miss Gross and she has a backstory. Um, you have Miss Jessup and uh, Peter Quinn. They both have backstories and their characters are much, much more well-developed. Uh, I mean, it departs quite a lot from, from the story, but it becomes a bit more and it kind of, it also explains why the Bly, Bly Manor is such a weird Gothic place. Um, and I think uh, Mike Flanagan did a really good job uh, in doing that. Um, apparently, he's hailed as one of like the b best new names in horror. Didn't know about that. Yeah, I mean, he did. Um, he did the Doctor Sleep, the um, oh, sequel yeah. to The Shining. I've not seen that. It is it, well. It, it has the unenviable task of being a sequel to the Stanley Kubrick movie and a adaptation of the book which is a sequel to the Stephen King book The Shining um yeah. so it, it it has I've 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 not read Doctor Sleep the book but I mean as a, as a movie as itself I mean the the there is a director's cut which is a, a bit longer which is which is really really good and also linking <laughs> linking in with uh June as well um both films contain incredible performances by Rebecca Ferguson um, so if you want to see her, how yeah. good she is, she, she, she plays in, in Dr. Sleep, she plays Rose the Hat, who is a, a deeply unset, a, a unnerving, horrible character. And there's a, an incredible scene involving her and Jacob Tremblay, um, you know, the, the, the little boy from, uh, the film Room. So. Oh yes. Yeah. The name ring yeah. a bell. Yeah. He he was such yes. a good kid. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. I'm not going to give anything away, but the people who know who know who know what I'm talking about know what I'm talking about. But I really recommend watching Doctor Sleep. Um, Ewan McGregor is it plays the grown up Danny Torrance, um, and he's, he's very very it's a very very good role, very good performance, and uh, the movie itself is very very good. It's, it's obviously he doesn't try and do Kubrick. He tries to do his own thing, but it is. For what it is, and it's a very difficult thing to pull off yeah. by being a sequel to the, I think, you know, one of yeah. the greatest horror movies of all time. So, yeah. Having been a fan of the uh, Henry James novella and of The Innocence, this movie, this adaptation, um, I was quite curious to see how he would treat the text and how he would sort of address the amb ambiguities and the sort of 
um, double meanings of the whole story. So I think what he did, he basically just uh, ignored all the sort of analyses that had happened on the text because lots of people were like, well, um, the, the governess is, is just making things up or there's like sexual repression tension um, in the background. Um, but he basically rewrote the whole thing and put his mark on it. So I think that's that's the mark of a good director. Um, so yeah, definitely if you get a chance to watch, um, it's a nine episode series Um and it yeah it it just rewrites everything and it's quite interesting and it's quite scary and unnerving and the kids are also very good in it as well uh, i think that's kind of the key to 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 making a film that is based on children not being children but being something else being more than children being innocent as well as tainted uh, at the same time um it has to be so you have to have really good child actors yeah um cool and i think yeah uh, also what one final thing deborah deborah carr um saw this as her finest performance and i think she she's right um i was i watched this in the cinema at the prince charles cinema for the first time with an audience and i it was the it was a very good experience and i found myself thinking whilst watching her that she because I, I remember that she started as an actress in the early 40s. So this was 1961. And I was thinking, how old was she in this movie? She's, she's supposed to be a very young governess, early 20s, if that. And I found out later that she was 39 in this film. But you can't see that in her. You still see the innocence and the insecurities and sort of like the newness of her to this new world um huh. and i thought she did a really really remarkable job of it huh. yeah, yeah she was yeah she was she was incredible yeah she yeah. was incredible cool um should we move on to our next film Yes, uh, let's let's do that. I'm I'm saying that with a smile on my face because I'm really looking forward to this. So um, the second movie, the second movie we are discussing today is uh, from 1977, a Japanese horror movie called House or Haozu, um, by director Nobuhiko uh, Obayashi. Um, I've got a brief synopsis. If you can synopsize this movie. Um, hoping to find a sense of connection to her late mother, Gorgeous takes a trip to the country to visit her aunt at their ancestral house. She invites her six friends, Prof, Melody, Mac, Fantasy, Kung Fu and Sweet to join her. The girls soon discover that there is more to the old house than meets the eye. So you saw this for the first time in a crowd, in a, in a, in a, in a screening. Um, this is correct. How was that? How was your how was your experience with House? Um, well, first of all, let me say that you did not get the memo that we were talking about horror movies. This is not a this horror is, movie. It is a horror movie. Maybe I need to be educated on seventies Japanese horror, but this is not what I expected. This was not a horror movie. Everybody, including myself, were laughing our heads off from far, from start to finish. I was expecting something horror. To happen, I was expecting something 
to change halfway through to make me feel more unsettled or not scared, but something... Um, okay, so after coming out of this film, I, I think I only have... To summarise my review of this film is one sentence. Miss Havisham meets Elizabeth Bathory on acid all the while listening to the score of Shaft. <laughs> that's, is that's that is that is that correct? I I think you're pretty correct in that, yeah. Okay, good. I thought, yeah, it was it was bonkers. Okay, what the hell? It felt at times it felt like there was something that was collected from the bin of of the Monty Python people that were like, you know, we've been writing some sketches and just they just didn't work. And they just like took all that idea and put it, put it in the movie. It was just like, oh, by the way, in in the film, on the translation wasn't gorgeous. It was Angel. Okay. Um, in the screening I was in. Um, I think it was just so cheesy and so oh crazy. I mean, it was it was really really funny. It was it was not a horror film by any by any. I don't know. Um, the I think this the ending where the, with the stepmother. I think that was the funniest piece of comedy ever. When she steps out of the car, and it was just ridiculous. It was absolutely bonkers. And I will. And this is why I went home, and I'm like, I have to watch something because you know what? Having seen some movies like proper horror films like Shutter and Ringu. I was kind of expecting something on, on, uh, like in that vein, thinking of of Asian cinema. I was not expecting this, so I went back home and I watched I rewatched Shutter because I was kind of like, okay, this is kind of what I was thinking about. Um, and now you're going to explain to me why it is a horror film. So. <laughs> a bit of background to do with this film then. Um so Toho, um the you know, the film studio, after the release of uh Jaws and saw the success of Jaws was like, We need to do something like that. Uh, and hired a guy called like that? Uh, <laughs> hired a guy called Nobuhiko Ubayashi, who um up until this point had done you know, like comedies, and um, he was mainly known for his uh, commercial work. He did a lot of work in commercials. Um, quite, if you've ever seen Japanese commercials, you know what I'm talking about. Um, and he basically just went straight from that into this. He um, helped uh, his, the, 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 the movie was written with the help of his preteen daughter, um, oh because he said, only think they said, he says, only think about things that they understand. Everything stays on that boring human level while children can come up with things that can't be explained. Um, several ideas of his, like his daughter, um, were stuff that she, you know, her own fears. So like the ideas of the pile of futons falling on her that felt like a monster attacking her, um, the large loud clock. Um, which is apparently one from a grandparent's house, and uh, you know, <laughs> getting her fingers caught in between the piano keys, um, which is you know a child a fear of hers. Um, some of her ideas were the reflection in the mirror uh, attacking 
you know, attacking the viewer. Mm. Um, a watermelon being pulled out of a well that appears like a human head. And a house that eats girls. Um, okay. There is... The thing with House, for me, is that the first time I saw it was like you. I I knew about it because it's, it's just one of those movies you just... If you follow certain sites and stuff, and you know movie sites and stuff, it's always it always pops up on top cult horror movies, or you know you'd never believe this thing and all this kind of stuff. And I finally got a chance. I was like, I'm not going to watch this until I see it on the big screen. I didn't want to watch it on my on my laptop on my TV. I was like, I want to see this in the cinema. And then the watershed were doing a screening a few years ago, quite a few years ago, and I was like, right, I'm going to go see this. And I sat down and I was sat next to my my old film lecturer Katrina and she basically was said to you, do you have you seen this and I said no I, I haven't and then she just kind of wryly smiled mm. and because you know and it was after it finished I was like wow I have never seen a movie like that before um and then with each time I've seen it I've tried to watch it with different people to show them for the first time so I did a like a showing with my friends um, a couple of years ago, and they were just taken aback <laughs> by what it was it, that was going on. It was bonkers. Um. Yeah. So also the I don't know if you call a deeper meaning behind it. Of course, there has to call... be a deeper meaning behind it. It's a, so, believe it or not, this film actually has quite something to do, quite a bit to do with um, the atomic bombings on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Um, so, Obayashi himself was actually born in Hiroshima and lost all his childhood friends uh, from the bombings. And mm. the film, if you notice the acts, the, the, the kind of the flashbacks to the war with the aunt... Yeah, and she is very, very bitter about her marriage being taken by the war, and the effect of the war on her. And she be kind of becomes this evil spirit because of her lost youth that's been taken from her because of the effects of the war. And from what I can tell, it was very much like a theme among a thing among like a certain generation of people from Japan. Yeah, and then when you had the the you know the swinging sixties kicking in, which is what the the young girls are meant to are represent. Doing, you yeah. think about the the kind of the poppy soundtrack. You know, she kind of is bitter and wants to devour their youth because they are a youth that's been unaffected by World War Two and aren't aware of the effects of it on you know their older generations. Yeah, so, I think what the problem with that is that it. I think the execution was a bit lacking. I understood the bitterness <laughs> of the aunt, but it, it's done in a way that you can't take it seriously at all. I think it was trying to do too much. Like, that's what I felt. And it, it was quite uneven and and a bit, yeah, like, didn't know exactly what kind of film they wanted to be. Um, being poppy, being historical, being horror, being cheesy, being funny, and it just ended up being super funny. Um, 
but maybe i'm i mean this is the, this is me talking from with with an un, untrained eye to into japanese cinema of the 70s i actually went to see it with a friend of mine who uh, was familiar with this and he told me that this is quintessential 70s japanese films whatever that means i i don't think i don't think that's necessarily correct i mean there there is there is a distinct style from japan in the 60s and 70s um yeah i think that's what which i think haozu is kind of the extreme end of this um i i'm unsure i am i'm very very you know i'm very very unsure if there are, are any other movies that are like this um the thing with haozu is that when it was screened in Japan, it was actually very, very. It was a very popular movie. Um, it did quite well in the box office in Japan, um, and it didn't screen officially screen outside of outside of there until until the rights were um, bought by uh, Janus Films, who were the people behind Criterion uh, back in 0809. Mm-hmm. and then has since become you know a very popular movie for Cinemaster Screen. You know, I, I think you said that your was it this screening or another screening was sold out for, for housing? Yeah, so I think I was supposed, I wanted to go on like earlier in the month and it was sold out. And this screening that I attended on the 27th was nearly sold out. I actually, I was, I, had, I couldn't buy uh, seats side by side with my friend and I had to swap. When I got there, I had to swap with somebody so we can sit next to each other. Um, and it was sold out as well um, right after I bought my ticket. And I think now they've got a third screening early November at the Prince Charles yeah. because the two first two got sold out. So I understand it, it must be a popular cult film. Um, and it it is quite... I think that there has to be a charm to it, but maybe that will... It might have been missed. I mean, I did not dislike it. it. It has it has its charm, definitely. It's unique, and it was it's funny. Very it's very unique, and it was so. Fu- I mean, it was funny how, like, some of the acting was absolutely ridiculous. Um, I mean, the, the stepmother was this ethereal being that was working, like, walking on air with a scarf blowing in the air, and just being, you know. Um, and the girls were each unique in, in their sort of stereotypical bubbles kind of thing. So uh, the, the, the viewing that I had for, for, for this podcast, so I don't think I mentioned it, but there was a, a film critic or film crit Hulk who does some really great work online. And he did a, like a Halloween marathon where he screened loads of movies, you know, on, on Twitch. And then there was a chat to go with it and um i uh i just so happened to wake up as he was doing literally starting the secret screening because obviously we're like eight hours ahead of america and it was like the midnight screening and, and over there and it was Halsey and i was like i'm gonna sit down and watch this with the chat because there are people on this you know there's about 60 odd people on this chat who hadn't seen the movie and it was like How does that watching work? the comments well, you 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 know you have you you have your screen, you know your your you know the video playing, and then there's a there's a little chat box rolling on the side, and you just kind of 
half watch. I, I would and... I would probably find that quite distracting, uh, especially on a first viewing. I want to be be able to pay attention. Yeah, well, was, yeah. When, for me, I, I I wouldn't have done it for my first viewing. It was like yeah, that's because that's I, I what intrigued. I mean. On, you know, on, I knew yeah. I knew I knew what was coming, so I was like, yeah, I, I'm more than okay with watching. So when like certain things were about to happen, I was like looking at the chat, waiting for the reaction, and um, <laughs> like that everyone on it was was wanting kung fu to make it to the end because she was the badass. I really wanted um, her to make it to the end. Unfortunately, she couldn't. <laughs> what is? Why no, did they didn't. have to? Yeah, uh, why did they have to demonize the the cat? Cats are evil. <laughs> no, they're not. I will. I will die on this hill. Cats are not evil. They're just independent. Honestly, I honestly don't. I honestly don't know um, what it is about the cat. Maybe there's something I, I, I'm missing to do with Japanese like culture, you know, yeah. history, you know, culture to do with what cats are. You know, because obviously there's the whole thing in in you know uh, like Western and and like to do with black cats and yeah you but know, this, the was, was, this one was there. white yeah and it's flashing red eyes yeah um, oh my god those maybe, side maybe, effects were special effects were so hilarious it was great i mean the, 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 it's so inventive i mean like just oh, it if, was if, funny. He, he has come his he, he he used all of his tricks that he did on co commercial work and and stuff he's done previously he just he just used all the tricks that he that he'd learned and just went all out i mean one of my favorite shots is which had had us since had me in stitches and, and my first viewing was like when they the girls are getting off the bus for the first time and it's quite a close-up shot and there's this panoramic scenic view behind them and then it pans out and it turns out to be a freaking screen a painted screen and then there's the mountains behind them, and it, it, it just just kills me because it's just like, why why have you done that? What is the choice behind that? Yeah. Um, and then they you know they got the whole thing of the the guy who's traveling to save them, and he's driving and he's driving, and he gets there and he turns into a pile of bananas. Yeah, what what that was so weird. I'm like, why is it? I, also, um, was it in? Was, there was another film that you made me watch where the girls have got a massive crush on the teacher. What is that all about? I don't know. I, I, there has I to be know. like a teacher thing all the time. I, 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 I don't know because I've never been a teenage oh. girl in love with a teacher. Mm. So I, 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 couldn't, I couldn't tell you what it is <laughs> about that. Um, yeah. Yeah. What a film. What a well, movie. it was. I, I, I would not consider it a horror film. Sorry, um, I was expecting something more terrifying than a gaggle of teenagers being eaten by a vampire, vampiric presence, sort of thing. Well, I, I went. I went with. I went with the the prompt that you know haunted house. That was the prompt that I yeah, kind of went no, with. No, fair enough. From the innocence, well, yeah. and for me, there's only one haunted house movie that I think you needed to see and that was house um, okay i love haunted house movies maybe we'll try and see if there's any others that i hadn't seen for next year yeah, maybe we'll save some for next year okay. i think is it is it robert is it robert weiss that did the haunting is that it the haunting uh, I've yes not seen that. yeah yeah. I've okay, not you seen have that. to see that, but you have to read. So for next year, well, you've got a year now. <laughs> you have to watch the Haunting of Hill House by Mike Flanagan and the Haunting of Bly Manor. Right. 
And then the movie The Haunting from the sixty three as well, yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. What about the? Because I've just googled it. There's a 1999 movie called The Haunting. No. Which stars Liam Neeson, no. Catherine no, Zeta no, Jones, no. Owen just, Wilson. Just... Maybe if you got time, but no, no, don't watch that first, please. <laughs> it's titled Jan de Bont. Christ. No, I won't watch that movie first. But I, I think, I think because I'm insane, I might actually watch that movie just to see how bad it is. Um, I, um, I think I watched it at one point, and it just bored me. It was nothing. Yeah. There was nothing challenging about it. Um, ha- but yeah, haunt- haunted house movies. Have you seen um, the Orphanage or El Orfanato? Oh my god! Yes. Oh my god! I almost forgot about that film. It's such a good film. Yes. Oh, th- yeah. um, Helen Rueda. Is it? Yeah, Helen, yeah, Helen I think that's right. Yeah. She's so good. Was she in? Um, she was in a film with. Was it the Sea Inside? Sea Inside. Come inside. Mar adentro. With um, um, Javier Bardem. Yeah, the sea inside. But yeah, she she did the orphanage in two thousand seven and the sea inside in two thousand eight. Sea inside is about a guy who is um, he's paralyzed, and she's. I think she's the nurse or friend who helps him. Yeah, but yeah, the um, the orphanage. Wow, what a film! Yeah, yeah. Have you seen? You've seen the others, yeah? I haven't seen the others, so <gasps> that could be another one to add to the list. I know, yes! I know, I know. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, it's actually wait, wait, wait. slightly related to the innocents. Okay, okay. We can I think save we'll, that for we'll, next year. Yeah, next year. I think we'll save that for next year, and I'll, I'll try and come up with some horror movies that you haven't seen, and we'll go from there. Sounds good. Um, I, I, unfortunately, they're not going to be as bonkers as House. I honestly think. I, I in terms of unfortunately or fortunately, I think. I think <laughs> you know the the history of the podcast has been you know like we we did you know one of the first episodes we did was Tokyo Tribe, which was I think bonkers in all the wrong ways for you. Ooh. Um, and then we had, and then we had Phantom of the Paradise, which is just off the walls insane, which I, I can't remember if you enjoyed that. I think I did, but not as much as I thought I would. Yeah. I might, I might have to um, watch it again. And I, I think, yeah, so I think in terms of films that kind of go off the walls insane, I think Halzu was probably about as far as I can go. So, yeah. <laughs> it was very creative. I'll give you that. Yeah. Well, cool. So okay. I think that's all that's done on on the innocence and Hausu. Um, happy Halloween, everybody. Yes, happy um, Halloween, but, everybody. Get but spooked. as of, I think this will be this will get released on Halloween Day on the thirty first. So tomorrow, um, which if you're listening tomorrow will be the first of November, is the start of our Noir November season. Not just our Noir November, but the whole of film Twitter. Twitter. Um, is doing a November, and of course we're going to do what we did last year and do the same thing again. Um, so I think I, I don't think we have decided what we uh, what we're going to kick off with. Um, so I think we'll we'll have a chat after we're going to finish recording and then uh, kind yeah. of release it as a surprise. So we have got we have got four weeks planned. 
um, so that's eight, eight films in eight films in in, in total. Um, one of those uh, recordings um, will be done in person as well. For the so first time be, ever. Uh, for the first time ever, we're no longer we're not going to do it remotely. Um, uh, Danny is is deciding to come visit me in in Edinburgh. Well, not just visit me, but she's coming to Edinburgh and deciding that she might as well come and see, see me while she's up here. Well, and, yeah. uh, well, I think Nick will never forgive me if I came to Edinburgh and not, not <laughs> see him. So, I tried, um, but gonna, I couldn't. <laughs> yeah. So we're gonna do we're gonna do a a, a a a live episode, but you know, not live. But we're gonna do an episode, and and you get to hear Danny kick strangle him? me in person. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> literally kick me under the table. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> So yeah, look forward to that. So um, in the meantime, uh, Danny, where can we find you on the internet? You can find me on Twitter at Joan, and my website is KinoJoan.co.uk. And you can find me on Twitter at Nikeshchana. My website is SuperAtomicVision.com. And our podcast Twitter is at Keenatomic. Drop us a follow on there. Um, we'll probably... We'll pro- I tell what to do. We'll announce the week... Th- that we're going to do the first episodes we're going to do for for film noir november yeah. on twitter um when when we decide on twitter so so keep an eye on that and our podcast uh, gmail is uh, keenatomic at gmail.com drop us email on there let us know what your favorite horror movies are um oh, yes what if you've seen Halsey, what did you think of Halsey? if you've seen the innocence is it as unsettling as i find it you know how how are you finding how are you finding those two movies? And um, if you've got any ideas for horror movies to, to do next year, uh, give us a shout because we could do with a help on that. <laughs> I think. Yes, absolutely. Um, Love to hear so, feedback. With all that in mind, it's a goodbye and a thank you for listening from me. And a goodbye and a thank you for listening from me. All I want to do is save the children. Not destroy them. More than anything, I love children. More than anything. They need affection, love, someone who will belong to.